This episode of The Loyal Sun Show is brought to you by Rendine Consulting. If you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know all about Rendine Consulting's commitment to the Pitt Athletics program and brand, and how much they've meant to the Loyal Suns. That's Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Visit www.rendineconsulting.com for more information. That's www.rendineconsulting.com. Hello and welcome back to The Loyal Sun Show. That's at The Loyal Suns on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for Pitt Sports content you won't want to miss. If this is the most miserable football season of your life, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show. A place for your Pitt Athletics fix. Brought to you by Pittsburgh Sports Now. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd, and put a fork in your Pit Panthers. They are done. Four and four, baby. Dunzo. Six Complete and six. To finished. The quick, to the quick lane bowl, here we come. If that. As always, I'm joined by my equally as depressed uh, co-hosts, Squid and Dylan. Uh, I don't have to ask how you guys are doing. I, I think we all feel the same. Um, let me let me start off with this question. Uh, what was the bigger turning point in that disappointing implosion against North Carolina? Was it Izzy's fumble or Cansey's ejection? Or was it the picked up PI flag in the end zone when the ball was tipped out of Slovis's hand despite it going 35 yards through the air. I think whenever the Izzy fumble happened, everyone collectively sighed and said, well, that's going to do it. Uh, whenever Kansi got ejected in the back of our minds, we thought that might be the last straw that keeps us from hanging around. I we were, we were still up when Kansi got ejected. When the when the Izzy fumble happened, I was like, yep, it's officially, we've lost all momentum and it's going UNC's way. The, I mean, the Kansas ejection was obviously, the the defense did nothing after he left the game, but. Zero the, plays made. Yeah, the Izzy fumble was just, everyone knew from there on that point out, it, the game was over. Yeah, I, when, when Kansas got ejected, which, as much as I hate to admit it, it was a justified targeting. Um, I don't think, I still don't think ejecting players for one targeting is justified. I wish that they treated it like personal fouls where if it happens twice, you get ejected. But we started that role with not only are you ejected, but you're suspended for a half of the following game. Um, if it's, you know, a second half ejection. Since they started that high, there's no way they can bring it down to like, all right, you need two. Um, to get kicked out of a game. I think it was BS that he got kicked out, but oh man, did he just lower the crown of his helmet and just lunge at the back of Drake May's head. But so I I have a I have to push back a little bit on that because okay. it was definitely by the book a target. Mm-hmm. But if you until you slow it down to milliframe, milli like 
frame by frame, millisecond, and watch it. It's like, oh, he goes directly crowned to his helmet. But when the play happens live, it's Kansas he's trying to make a play. He's mm-hmm. moving full speed, trying to make a play. Starts to go down for the tackle, and Drake May happens to start his slide at the same time. And that's how so many of these targets end up happening, is the offensive player just so happens to lower his head or start dropping to the ground at the same time. And this that's the result. And then the defensive player gets ejected for it. Um, on the flip side, PJ O'Brien had the most justified <laughs> ejection <laughs> yeah. in the history of targeting. When that happened, I was like, yeah, he should probably not play anymore tonight. But the yeah, Kansas thing not is only just late. those bang-bang plays. Go ahead, Squid. Yeah. O'Brien was not only late, because I'm pretty sure Devin Shaw was out of bounds and tackled whenever yeah, he, he was down. Hit. The guy wasn't looking by the book blind side. It was, it was a crack back, a blind side and a late hit, and a targeting. (laughs) Like that one, you're like, ah, yeah. I mean, what can you say? But no, the the only issue I really had with the Kalijah Kansi one is him not even, and I want you all to picture it in your mind, he didn't even bring like his arm around to wrap him. He literally just lowers his head into the helmet. Again, bang, bang. But at that time, I thought like, wow, wouldn't it be something if we just trotted out like, and Elliot Donald, and this was his coming out party. Um, so there was still hope. I do agree that the Izzy fumble felt more like a game changer because at that point, hope was lost. The game yeah, plan... at that point, whenever Izzy fumbled, we hadn't done much on offense. Like the emotional high we had from Keaton Slovis completing some deep balls. Uh, we hadn't seen that in a minute. and the offense did nothing after that point. It was an emotional blow for everybody. I think the team probably knew, too, that's the last straw. And no one defense made a play. Drake made marched them up and down the field every drive, and we didn't do anything on offense either. Yeah, the offense completely went stagnant. The offense really looked pretty good in the first half. Slovis looked good. There was very a better... I see everyone keeps coming back to this like, oh, he looked okay. I thought he was throwing some really nice deep balls. Jared Wayne even dropped one of the beautiful deep balls right in his chest. He made up for it with the rest of his play. Seven catches for a buck 61. Jared Wayne played great, but Keaton Slovis was hitting on those deep balls. And the thing was, he looked like he was in a rhythm. They were running those play actions. It was very clear that the week leading up that was part of the game plan was all right we're going to run the ball we're going to run a lot of play action get them on their heels they saw something that they could exploit and it was it was funny it was Keaton Slovis faking the handoff to Izzy a little one two three steps and right into delivering a pass where I feel like we haven't seen that from him in over a month every time Slovis gets a snap it's happy feet he's looking around looking looking gets gets pressured takes a sack or just throws an errant ball it looked really good for a quarter and a half with just he looked comfortable back there and then in in the second half it was gone and it seemed like once again Signetti had the week and he was like yep play action pass they'll never see it coming and it worked for a half and then when UNC made some adjustments at halftime it was like oh no what now? I know. I think the first time we did one of those play action deep shots and we saw Slovis throw a ball deep downfield, I just said out loud, whoa, because I was so surprised to see it happen. I, It was surprising. And Dylan, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you 
you know, kind of about how Slovis looked. And I know that we we talked about it during the game. You know, I think you were more impressed with us coming out, throwing the way that we did than I was um, because. Oh, my God, I just completely lost my train of thought. Everything I was going to say just walked right out the front door. All right, well, leave it out there because you were going to say some blasphemous shit. No, you were arguing with me yesterday. You were looking like, oh, I would have really liked an Izzy run on first down. So after this whole season where we've been complaining about Signetti being too predictable, it was like yesterday, all of a sudden, we wanted him to be more predictable. I don't know. Signetti switched it up a little bit. We were moving the ball. We were putting up points, and then now that's the issue? I don't know. I I think at some point, we have to go out there and let some receivers make some plays, let let Keaton right. sling it, and they were. And then they they did kind of bring some of that unpredictability. I think the offense stalled when we went back to that in the second half. Where On that third and one with Izzy, obviously you're going to hand the ball to Izzy, best player on the team, having an unbelievable season. But there wasn't a soul in that stadium who didn't know what the play call was going to be. Listen, I, I get it. They wanted to try something a little bit different, but even when they were doing something different, it was kind of predictable. It was just three steps and chuck one up to Jared Wayne and hope he makes a play. And I, I disagree with your assessment. I don't think Slovis looked good or comfortable because a lot of those deep balls that Jared Wayne made catches on, that was not because Slovis was putting the ball in a good place. A lot of those deep balls he had to come back on. He had to adjust his route. Or if it was thrown in stride, it could have been touchdowns. And now I'm, I'm not going to complain too hard about that first quarter because Jared Wayne was averaging about 30 yards of reception at one point on five catches. And I don't think that we have had five receptions of longer than 30 yards in all of our other games combined. But I mean, again, I you, you do have a point. I, I do feel like I'm contradicting myself by complaining about us coming out with that passing attack when our game has been so predictable and relying on running the ball. But I, I also don't think the answer is, you know, abandoning the run to start the game with against a team that cannot defend the run and letting Slovis, who's kind of, proven that his accuracy and arm strength is not all that great to just try to run an air raid style attack. I mean, it worked. Yeah. And it wasn't really an air raid. They were setting up the, these, I mean, they were throwing the ball, but they were, they were mixing it. In. It, it wasn't, they didn't throw it 30 times in the first half. I don't, I don't think we can sit here and say it worked when at no point was he completing more than like 50% of the balls he threw. And then the second they were like, Oh, let's, what if we just cover number five? We had nothing. Talk about the first half. Talk about the first half. Yeah, the wheels came off in the second half. The offense, they were moving the ball. We were winning. <laughs> we were winning the game. It it worked until it didn't. Exactly. And we can complain about that second half, but I, I think we're just going in circles at this point. I'll it, be the middle the- ground here. I'll be the middle ground here. I think Slovis looked a lot better than he had in maybe a month. The last couple of weeks, I called for him to be benched. And the first half last week, he definitely looked like our best option. He looked better than what Yarnell probably would have done. Maybe probably Nick Patty too. And we were all sitting there saying, Slovis looks a lot better. He's completing balls downfield. And they showed a graphic in the bottom. It's like, yeah, he's like 10 for 22. Yeah, uh, that was in the third quarter. We, he said 
we're we were literally just got done saying how he looks more comfortable and looks better, and he was ten for twenty three at that point in time. Yeah, the third quarter things uh, fell apart. I think he went on a zero for six stretch where he threw six straight incompletions in the fourth quarter, and the fact that they were getting plays downfield made up for it. If you're getting big chunk plays, you don't have to sustain long drives where Slovis is completing four or five passes in a row. So uh, I like that they open that up and that's something we can look forward to a little bit maybe. But I think uh, that there's really no rhyme or reason to it. I think they just decided, you know, we're going to run the ball more of this drive here. This is the drive where we're going to pull some play action passes out of our back pocket. And that caught up to us in the second half because it was just – I don't think they knew what they were doing until like, the snap. It, Signetti's way of game planning, though, just kind of feels so binary and so rudimentary. It's like, oh, I agree. We, we we passed the ball. We, we ran the ball a lot last game. So what if for this one we just have Slovis throw it as far as he can like 10 times in a row? And then when that stops working, it's like, ah – they have foiled our idea on to next week. Kind of yeah. like how Louisville was like, they aren't expecting us to come out in wildcat. Let's tr- give that a try. And then it worked until it didn't. And then it was like, ah, shucks. That was all right. Well, second half, we'll just kind of let whatever happens happens and move on to next week. I think watching North Carolina's offense exposed us to what's wrong with Pitt's offense. I think every game this week, Narduzzi and Signetti think we have to run the ball to win this game. We're going to run the ball, and this is how it's going to go. UNC, I feel like they looked at Pitt's tape. They know we can throw these passes out in the flat, make their safeties, try to make plays. We're going to take shots on the corners because this is what Pitt is bad at, and we're going to take advantage of it. And they did, and we didn't make plays. I don't think there's been a single game where Pitt has looked at the defense they're facing and thought, well, they're really bad at this, so we're going to take advantage of it. It's always been, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to bash our heads against the wall. And if we make play really play, good... Make them play our run. game. Yeah, like the Virginia Tech game. We rushed for 300 yards. Yep, it worked. And all the other games, like, well, what we came in here trying to do didn't work, so that's the ball game. So that's probably a good transition, what you mentioned about uh, North Carolina's offensive play style. Let's... uh. We've given the offense enough. I think it's time that we have a very badly needed come to Jesus moment with the defense, because this has been waiting to happen for, I think, kind of a like this, this game where we just get abused. We've been waiting for it. I think the Louisville game was kind of the slap a piece of duct tape on the hole in the boat game. It's like, well, the defense played well. They kept us in it and then they couldn't keep it held together the whole game. And yeah, the UNC game. I mean, good this offense, is, really good offense, but blew us out of the water. They they were terrible in the second half last night. But I'm not going to do Brocious. some re- revisionist history here and act like the defense hadn't stood on their head multiple games this season trying to keep the offense in the game. What's obviously they haven't been the defensive line, the pass rush that was so vaunted and we hyped so much coming into the season. We have eight guys who can rotate on the D line who could be starters at every other school, all that talk that hasn't come to fruition as much as we would have liked, but the defense has not played bad in past weeks. They were bad. Right. 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 But, but would you at least concede that this kind of felt like 
the chickens coming to roost a little bit. The defense hasn't, the defense has kept us in games. They have not played perfect football though. Um, and none and, do in college and football. none do of course. Um, but this kind of feels like all of those kind of festering issues that we've noticed with the defense, the corners can get beat in, in one-on-one and, and are prone to mistakes. The defensive line is not getting home anymore. The linebackers don't seem to know where the hell they are on the football field. It, it finally came together in one magnificent ass kicking. So I, I kind of wanted to dig into that a little bit. Um, what, well, I'll start by saying North Carolina is uh, number nine in the country. They're scoring 41 points a game, and this is just the perfect style to beat Pitt. Every play, Drake May would drop back, look for a quick like underneath route. If it wasn't there, he would step up in the pocket and take off, and we had no answer. Nobody was uh, wrecking the game that we needed, and it was a whole lot of Drake May getting through his reads and picking up yards every play. We miss Cansey a lot in the second half. Yeah. We we already talked about that ejection, but it, it's very clear that when you aren't disruptive in this type of defense, when that D-line isn't disruptive, then they're going to get picked apart. And it was those little shots in the flats. It's it's missing tackle. It's not making the pursuit play. Uh, there was a big play, a fourth and five in, in the second half, where Servasier Dennis normally, you know, perfect, Sure tackler, everything, great pursuit, takes a bad angle on Drake May, and that extends a drive for North Carolina. So it was a bunch of plays like that where at the end of the day, it's just players aren't making the plays, aren't putting, maybe are being put in the position to make those plays and just not getting it done. And those add up quickly, especially against an offense and against a quarterback who we talked, we talked light of him at the beginning of the season, but he is pretty damn good. Yeah, he's the real deal, isn't he? He does not stink. It's your fault, John. Uh, no, Dylan, you're you're right about that. Uh, there were a litany of of even the most reliable defenders on this this pit team um, that had pretty terrible outings. This was the worst game for Servasier Dennis I've seen in a while. Um, Hallett, pretty tough game, and he's he, he's been on all American list this season. Tough game. Um, and I would kind of, I don't know where to put Haba on that because he had a disappointing game, but I think we might be at the point now where we're, this is what we can expect from Haba this season. He has not shown up. And I, I specifically watched him a couple plays because I was like, all right, what, what's going on here? This guy was a game wrecker last year. What's going on this year. And man, if the effort just doesn't look like it's there on a lot of plays. Yeah, I don't know. I would have to go back and watch a lot more and watch him a lot more closely. I think his the way he plays, he's just kind of a very fluid athlete. It might not look like he's his motor is going 110% at all times. I just think they had him bottled up. There were a couple times, you know, it looked like he might have come off the edge and was able to – there was a play. It looked like he was going to get a hand on the ball on Drake May, and then they brought a second uh, blocker over to come get him, double team. So, I don't know. It's There's a lot wrong with this team right now and i think it's deeper than just x's and O's, jimmy's and joe's it kind of feels like i don't know does it feel like narduzzi's kind of lost this locker room to you guys it just doesn't feel like a team that 
is is one close unit right now. There's no we not me out there right now. And maybe that's just really maybe that's just me as watching this team fall apart, a team that was breaking down on Natty in the offseason and is now four and four. Maybe that's just and maybe that's just what it looks like when you have a disappointing season. Uh team with such high, lofty expectations. Now at this point, going into la- last night, they're four and three. Maybe it's a little tough for you to get guys up for that game. I would hope it's not that tough because I mean, they were still in the coastal race. If they ran the table, if they thought they were that good, they could run the table, but I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like a team playing with a lot of swagger and confidence right now. I mean, do we want to, do we want to open up that can of worms? Cause this is a team that has been poorly coached at all three phases. We have talked about the offense past the point of being blue in the face this year. Um, I think we're now starting to take full notice of some of the cracks in the defensive, the defense and, you know, some lack of discipline. There's penalties all over the place. Special teams is an absolute godforsaken mess right now. So is, are we kind of entering a pretty bad place as a program or is this just a year that is lost. And I know you guys kind of had some thoughts about the long-term implications of what we've been seeing on the field. I think it sucks to see because last night, the defense looked like the defense whenever Narduzzi first got here and the defense was, he doesn't have his guys for this scheme. Mm -hmm. You can't play this aggressive scheme with no pass rush and corners that aren't physical and aggressive. Uh, We saw that last year. That was the best Narduzzi defense has been at Pitt. And in a matter of one year, despite not losing virtually anybody, we're back to square one. Right. Uh, can we flip a switch and get back to that? Can we uh, have a guy or two step up and bring us back to that? I don't know. Uh, but if the defense plays close to that level, uh, we're in trouble because we don't have a good offense, in case you guys haven't noticed. Yeah, Squid, not only is the offense not very good, but the only really good offense that Narduzzi had since he's been the head coach at Pitt. Uh, I, I take that back. They had a really good offense in 2016. Uh, under Matt Canada. Under somehow. Matt Canada, who just put on another dazzling performance for the Steelers today. But that's a topic for another day in a different different podcast. But the only other time that they've had a really good offense was last year, and Narduzzi said, scrap it. I want to get back to running the football. And has essentially burnt a year for for a pretty good defense until last yeah. night. And wow, we are we back at a point where this is just a six and six, seven and five team p- perpetually again? Until we get another Heisman candidate quarterback. Think there's any of those in the portal? I don't know if they'll want to come here. Think any of our guys will go in the portal? Uh... A lot of them. <laughs> Well, let's let's be real. Let's be real. Power five football teams who go six and six, seven and five. That's kind of the nature of college football at this point is the good players want to leave to go play somewhere better. Mm-hmm. And the guys who didn't play want to leave because they couldn't get playing time on a six and six team. And, and that's that's kind of the shitty thing. Like, I'm I'm never going to be the guy who, like, rails against the portal or NIL because I think that they are ultimately a net good. But that is a downside of it. You know, if you if you have a team that has a frustrating season and there's there's bad seasons that are like bad and then there's bad seasons that are frustrating. And that's usually caused by a disparity in the expectation and the reality 
this is one of those. Those are what I would worry about there being a, a not a mass exodus, but a, a spike in, in transfers because these players on this pit team were sold a bill of goods. They were told this is now a formidable program. This is a team that is going to be incredibly competitive. We have a great coaching staff. This is going to be good and fun. And, you know, you have guys who are, I think, at the end of the year going to be saying, screw this, I can I can start for a much better team. Then you are going to have guys who are like, screw this, I could get playing time on an equally as, as terrible team that I'm currently not getting playing time on. Yeah, so The grass is much greener. Um, exactly. So and, and my issue with the portal is that is going to allow um, landslides for teams like Pitt that had a great year and then, you know, leveled off and all of these high end recruits that they leveraged because of the good year, all of these, you know, players who got accustomed to a certain level of success. All it takes is one year for, I think, some of them to start looking for greener grass. Yeah, I think the one big example was Tennessee. I think it was two years ago now because they're obviously uh, the number two team in the country. And uh, they're tied for number two in the one poll that came out this morning. Oh, nice. Good for them. Yeah. Our Vols. Uh, anyway, you saw them as the team that had over 20 transfers each year because they had really good recruiting classes. Uh, the you six and six and guys were like, well, I was a four star. Everybody wants me. And. Yeah, you I should. can play at Bama, but that's they were never good. They had high hopes because of fairy tale recruiting rankings. Pitt won an ACC championship. One down year should not throw all that away. If you're the Pitt coaching staff and you are a player on this team, you can't just throw it all away unless things are really that bad internally. Uh, you got to think most of the guys will stick around. There's always gonna be unhappy players. It's college football. Everyone leaves. Um, it was kind of amazing how few transfers Pitt had in previous years, but it might be catching up to us now. I mean, the transfer portal is going to, that bug is going to catch every program one year or another. Um, and I, I think we did a really good job staving that off for two years. We might not be as lucky this time around. And I don't know. I I don't want to comment on locker room culture because I am not physically in the pit locker room, but there is, there is some bad effort and body language evident on the field sometimes. And it worries me. And I'm not trying to be like a doom and gloom guy, but I think a lot of us are seeing the same thing. And that says something. Are you or someone you know looking for work in a recession-proof industry? Are you someone that's interested in things like having health care, having a 401k, immediate PTO accrual, an employee assistance program, and referral bonuses? Our newest sponsor, Haddad Accelerated Delivery, an Amazon delivery partner, is looking for safety-minded and dependable drivers to join their delivery service team. Be a part of a company that will encourage self-ownership and award bonuses based on exceptional safety and delivery efforts. This is the ideal gig for individuals seeking full-time work or students interested in making some pretty good money during breaks. 
If you or someone you know is safety-focused, hardworking, organized, efficient, and team-oriented, text HADD to 464-646 to apply. I understand that that is an impossible string of letters and numbers, so here it is again. That's H-A-D-D to 464-646. For a job that's the total package, get it? Because, like, it's uh, deliveries. Hat at Accelerated Delivery is the place for you. So we're recording this on Halloween weekend, and hypothetically, Pitt could have a lot of players in the transfer portal, like we just discussed. And if we do lose players in the transfer portal, um, we thought maybe go after some uh, horror movie characters to uh, spice this team up. They need a little jolt. So we're going to go around, name uh, characters from horror movies, scary movies, Halloween movies, and we're going to see how long it takes for us to turn Pitt into a ACC championship team. So where are we going to start? So personally, I think one of the things that has really struck me this year um, is the drop-off in play from the defensive line year over year. Um, so for that reason, I want to go into the portal, and I would really like to see Narduzzi grab Michael Myers. His relentless pursuit um, is is that's the kind of player that you can build an off- a defensive line on. I, say, I was, was going to put Michael Myers at linebacker. He, he takes really good angles, not, no wasted movements. Oh, yeah. First step, always going in the right direction. And like you said, that relentless pursuit can help him at the linebacker spot as well. And I, as, as much as we would like to see the D-line produce a little more, I, I think that linebacker spot could use some help. He's deceptively fast, so he gets out on the sideline real quick. Honestly, Dylan, I think he could be like a Will Anderson where you can put him anywhere in the box and he is going to wreak havoc. So make plays. Yeah. I mean, you put him on the field. It doesn't matter where he's guy just has the heart of a champion or no heart. I don't know. He is he alive? He's been producing for since the eighties. This guy's consistent. He's going to make, he's going to make things happen. Can absolutely terrorize offenses. Absolutely. So does uh, Michael Myers make us an instant, uh, make this team an instant, contender not yet no not yet yet. all right he still ain't covering the flats against unc okay okay then then where else are we missing guys i was leaning towards picking up frankenstein he's just a mammoth body i i like him at one of the tackle spots left or right tackle on the o-line we Mm can use a big mauler there they they've left a little bit to be desired in, the, in both the running game. I mean, the running game, they've been running the ball, but a lot of times they're getting blasted in the backfield, not getting a lot of push up front. Also, just giving Slovis or whoever our quarterback is a little more time, I think Frankenstein would be a real monster on that offensive line. Yeah, he's uh, eight feet tall, so Slovis might have a hard time throwing over top of him, but hopefully he can just clear his guy out in the run game. Speaking of the run game, I think we need some help there. Uh, there have been a lot of times where, like that third one last night, middle of the line gets blown up. Let's put one guy next to Frankenstein at a left guard, uh, Jason Voorhees. He's a big dude, low center yeah, of gravity, big body, real strong. He can like cave dude skulls in with his head and and all that. So I think uh, we get those two on one side of the line. Izzy might 
rush for like 2,500 yards. Well, I mean, this offense also isn't going anywhere um, without a little bit more creativity uh, and it's play calling, which is why I think I would like to replace Frank Signetti uh, with Jigsaw. There's nobody yes. in the game more creative than Jigsaw, and he would that dude would flat out torture ACC defenses. That's what he's best at. So do we think that could get us over the hump? Adding Frankenstein, Voorhees, and replacing Sig with Jig? I think we're 6-1 and one with all those. Okay, so we're right in the, the thick of the things in Coastal. But I don't mm. know, Clemson still might just just terrorize. Brian Brzee might terrorize Frankenstein. Frankenstein's not, not too agile, so... The intelligence also isn't there. I mean, he's relentless and he's big, which are two qualities you really need in an absolute mauler of a uh, tackle. But um, I don't I don't know if it puts us there yet. OK, so we got to keep going here. Uh, Randy Bates has been great as a defensive coordinator at Pitt. Mm-hmm. I respect the hell out of Coach Bates, but maybe just need a breath of fresh air on that side of the ball. Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger loves to play mind games. Yeah. He'd be he'd be in opposing quarterbacks nightmares the night before games. And I, I think Drake May, if he knew he was staring down a Freddy Krueger defense versus a Randy Bates defense, things things might have played out a little differently. He might have been a little more jittery back there. Yeah, I think, you know, we used to talk about how uh how Pat Jones and Rashad Weaver we joke about quarterbacks having nightmares before games, having to go up against two All-American defensive ends, uh, having someone that can literally enter your dreams and uh, present that kind of psychological trauma would be, you know, the the best thing for our defensive line since 2019. Um, speaking of the defensive line, why don't we stick a guy in the middle there just in case Kansas gets ejected again? Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He's a big dude who can move. You see that guy run with the chainsaw? Yeah, that's a big dude that can move. Uh, Does he think, get to keep the chainsaw on the field? I'm going to say no. That's probably a penalty. And But... But if we could steal the turnover chainsaw from Oregon State, I was I was going to say it would be impossible to get him from the portal and keep him out of out of Oregon. Yeah. Well, if we can get him here, if we can get him here, if, I have yeah. a feeling, you know, strip sack on Drake May, get the ball, have him sprint to the sideline, pick up the turnover chainsaw and potentially uh, go crazy with it. So we win in the ACC yet. Definitely at least competing for it, but we're now, in Charlotte. Yeah, now now I kind of want to aim a little bit higher. We and we've we've filled out a lot of the building blocks of a team. Um, offensive line, defensive line, uh, some of the play calling on both sides. Um, but outside of Izzy, this team has kind of missed, you know, an explosive playmaker. Um, certainly at the quarterback position uh, and, you know, some of our skill positions. So um, I think Leprechaun from the movie Leprechaun, I'm sorry, the movie franchise Leprechaun, um, I think he'd be an upgrade at scat back 
over Vincent Davis. They are similar size, uh, but Leprechaun might be a little bit quicker and a little bit meaner. Yeah, a, a scat back upgrade doesn't do it for me. I don't. I don't. I still don't think we're over the hump. Think about the jet sweeps to the Leprechaun. Okay. Okay. Um. I was going to say maybe Edward Cullen from the uh, what's that teen girl Twilight, the Twilight series because apparently all it takes to be the quarterback at Pitt is just being a good looking kid from the West Coast and we've had success with older quarterbacks so what, what's he 120 something like that yeah yeah Um, I've never watched those movies I swear but I'm pretty sure he was like turned a vampire during the Spanish flu which would make him about 100 120, 140. Yeah. Um, so just just a little bit younger than Pickett, his final year. I've never seen the movies, but I'm pretty sure he was born in 1901. Just I just knew that without watching the movies. <laughs> Are we just a bunch of guys who watch Twilight? Yeah. I genuinely have never watched it, but I guess I'm missing out. I guess I'll go do, watch some film on our future quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. So if he, if he can sling the ball, I, I do think that puts us. I, I think we are finally at a point where I'd say I'd be comfortable. If we added all of those fictional characters, I think this team could compete for an ACC title. All right, but what about a national title? What are, what are we missing to compete with like Bama and Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State? NIL money. So recruiting is one place I think we could improve. Uh, and I'm saying... I think Dracula would be a hell of a recruiting coordinator because he is famously charming and hypnotic. You don't get that many, um, you know, women to come to your terrifying tower in Transylvania without being, you know, quite the recruiter. And I think he also had hypnotizing powers. I'm not really sure. I did not read Bram Stoker's Dracula, but I hear it's very dry and boring. This is... We are like one or two villains away from this getting very weird. We're talking about one more. I got one more. (laughs) I got got a couple. Yeah. So I say our secondary could use a spark. uh, And I'm not going to. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here. I'm just going to get a classic ghost. Maybe the ghost from paranormal activity because you can't see them. Line them up in like a Troy Palomalu role and you literally cannot account for them. Whenever Palomalu played. All the quarterbacks said you have to find where Paul Amalu was. Was he down in the box? Was he in the left side, the right side? If we have a ghost on the field, you will never know where he is until you're sacked or the ball is picked off. It's a cheat code. You can also play with an extra man on the field, kind of seemed like. If yeah. No one could see him. I, you Hartman, ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Sam Hartman was seeing ghosts in the ACC title game last year. And yeah, the guy's this week. Yeah, he did it again. Um, John, I really like where your head's at. I have two other guys for the secondary for similar reasons. Jaws. Jaws is the um, shark. Yes. Jaws, the shark. I'm sorry to steal your thing, uh, which is shark movies. Um, But, but Jaws is always where he needs to be. Nobody ever sees him coming, even when the John Williams music is playing. Um, And despite being a shark, which um, I, 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 question this choice by the fact that the games are played on a field and not in the middle of the ocean. Hey, hey, Dylan. Hey, Dylan. 
shut up. All right. Yeah, everything else is plausible except yeah. yours. Yeah, this is oh, the only plausible, non-plausible I, I, situation. Then, all right, then let me get another one. Um, Ghostface, because he's a slippery little weirdo. Yeah. And, and that'd be another great safety. But no, I think I think even Jaws on land would be able to uh, turn his head and locate the ball better than anyone Pitt has in their secondary right now, even though um, Sharks notoriously turn like battleships so it's still an improvement i would say put it jaws at outside linebacker and just have him blitz how many people are still listening i think this is better than listening to us complain about frank signetti for another 30 minutes so let me throw a couple more on you jack torrance from the shining just because he's a psycho his intensity would be great for the locker room Linebacker. Get back, coach. Strength and conditioning, coach. Imagine, imagine you're down five at halftime, and you go in. And he just takes an axe to somebody's locker. Oh, and maybe, maybe Chucky as a rotational linebacker because he could just come in and talk a little shit and be a little shit, and you know, every team needs that guy, that personality on the field. I have a feeling he get a few unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, but we get those anyway. I but question could... I question his reliability as a linebacker considering his size. Um I, I just may, maybe maybe at the high school level, but hey, that that size at some point you gotta be able to put some weight up in the weight room and be able well, to. Well he can. He he's got the strength of a full grown man. It's just like a cursed doll that houses the strength and brain of a I think it was a dead serial killer. Didn't watch those movies either. But you know who did? Our buddy Drew, who gave us all these ideas. So shout out to uh, to Drew Brown, known scary movie connoisseur, for uh, for helping us out with a couple of these. Wait, so it, do we do we think that we have a a national championship contender here? No, we we need to go out and recruit a damn good quarterback. I, I think hope, Georgia would be minus two and a half against this team. <laughs> I hope Kenny Minchie is the real deal because until we see another bona fide stud at the quarterback position, we're back to seven and five land. We should make a horror movie called Seven and Five Land, and it's just our life as Pitt as fans. fans. <laughs> Twenty twenty one never happened. That's scarier than anything else we talked about combined. The Transylvania seven and fivers. Oh, that was fun for a little bit till you brought that up. Yeah, this was this was fun escapism until we remembered that we're still cheering for Pitt on Saturday. Let's talk about something a little more uplifting. Pitt basketball. Right after the break. Are you or someone you know looking for work in a recession-proof industry? Are you someone that's interested in things like having health care, having a 401k, immediate PTO accrual, an employee assistance program, and referral bonuses? Our newest sponsor, Haddad Accelerated Delivery, 
an Amazon delivery partner, is looking for safety-minded and dependable drivers to join their delivery service team. Be a part of a company that will encourage self-ownership and award bonuses based on exceptional safety and delivery efforts. This is the ideal gig for individuals seeking full-time work or students interested in making some pretty good money during breaks. If you or someone you know is safety-focused, hardworking, organized, efficient, and team-oriented, text HADD to 464-646 to apply. I understand that that is an impossible string of letters and numbers, so here it is again. That's H-A-D-D to 464-646. For a job that's the total package, get it? Because, like, it's uh, deliveries. Hat at Accelerated Delivery is the place for you. So we've avoided the topic of pit basketball a good bit since we've started this podcast. At last year, after the football team's ACC championship run, Peach Bowl run, by, by that point, by the time football season was over, the basketball team had already sucked all hope from us from being any good. But this year, there's a little bit of more optimism around the pit basketball program, and the football team sucked, so... Let's talk some basketball today, fellas. Right now, Pitt's played one exhibition game. They beat the hell out of Clarion. They have one coming up against Edinburgh, and then they open the season on November 7th against Tennessee Martin. What do we think? Any thoughts, predictions? Let's try to avoid the the bad situation with our incoming stud point guard, that won't be playing on November 7th. Let's try to talk around that. Yeah, calling him incoming is um, a pretty funny characterization. A bit of a misnomer. Yeah, Dior won't be playing November 7th. I don't anticipate him taking the floor for the Pitt Panthers this year, but we'll let that go. There's a whole lot of other guys on the team and guys to be excited about. So Who have not been arrested this year. Right. Yes. So, Squid, give me something. What What are you optimistic about? Tell me what you're looking forward to for uh, our Pitt basketball Panthers. I think the one thing that was abundantly clear last year was that John Hughley is really good. Last year, what else was abundantly clear was the team around him was not very good. So teams would double team him and that'd be the end of the game. You, you couldn't do anything. Now we have some true ball handlers, Nelly Cummings, uh, Nike Sabande, and Jamarius Burton are three veteran guards who you would hope would be able to run an offense uh, through them and then also get Hughley involved down low. So it should be a more balanced team. It's not, can Hughley get us 20 and 15 and can we hang around? Yeah, I think what I'm really excited about is I think this is the most talented slash veteran filled roster that Jeff Capel's had since he's been at Pitt. You look at when he started out, when he had X, Xavier Johnson, Adis Tony, Trey McGowan's, that was a pretty talented trio to bring in with his first recruiting class. They were also all true freshmen. And it's really hard to compete in the ACC with true freshmen unless those true freshmen are the five stars that Duke has coming in every year. So to see a veteran team with guys like Nelly Cummings, who's played a lot of college basketball, with Jamarius Burton, John Hughley's in his third year at Pitt, 
being led by a bunch of guys who've played a bunch of basketball at least gives me hope that this team will be able to bring it together and be really competitive in the ACC. If they had just brought in, what, five freshmen this year and trotted them out and hoped to battle back and start to build something with the transfer portal you can't build that way you need to build with veterans you need to bring in transfer guys like they have this year and i'm really excited about uh the guys going out there especially nelly cummings being a local kid played his high school ball at lincoln park um it's a really cool story and also he's played in the tournament a couple times more that's more than just about anyone else on the roster could say any pit players since like jesus when was the last time we were in the tournament Long time ago. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Far too long. Far too long. But and then we also have Blake Henson. So we're looking at starting five. The starting five will probably be Nellie Cummings, Jamarius Burton, either Greg Elliott or Nike Sabande in that third guard slash wing spot. Blake Henson and John Hughley. That's a far cry from last year's team that was starting Will Jeffress for a portion of the year. Nate Santos was getting some spot starts. And not to not to talk down on these guys, but these are just guys who are too young and not ready to be uh, big contributors on an ACC team. So uh, a quick question, and I, I mean this sincerely. Um, what is the deal with Will Jeffers? Because um, I, I did not follow the team that closely last year, admittedly, because I knew that we were not going to do any episodes on them. And frankly, my alma mater's basketball team would have beaten Pitt by 20. So I watched them a lot instead. Um, But all I hear is like, yeah, this Will Dreffers was like the best recruit that uh, Capel got in his time here. And he is disappointed thus far. So what's what's the deal there? Well, explain it to me like thing. I'm five. Uh, he came in young for a freshman. He was the youngest player in college basketball whenever he entered uh, Pitt's program. And uh, he was just kind of thrown into the deep end and had to play right away before he was uh, fully polished. He was able to dominate because of his size and skill set in high school. But when you play as the big boys, you got to be a better all-around player. And uh, he was put in the role as a 3 and D guy but he could not make a three-pointer. Will Jeffress was I could a guy. See how that would be a problem. Yeah. Yep. Will Jeffress was a guy who, as ninth, 10th grader, was one of the top players in his class. He was invited to all of the Team USA basketball stuff. He was really, I think at one point, as a freshman, ranked as maybe a top 10 player in that class. And he goes through his mm. career at Erie McDowell, super productive, all-state guy, graduates early so he can roll at pit early. And I think, Maybe hindsight 2020 may have been uh, kind of kind of a mistake just because you do want to develop and be ready to play. And mm. I, he does look like a guy who has lost some confidence playing against grown men and maybe not being ready. I, I will say there were flashes his freshman year, especially defensively. I still think Jeffress is, can be an elite defender. But offensively, last year, he just looked lost. He looks like... He doesn't really have a role. He's afraid to dribble. He's afraid to shoot. When he does shoot, it looks bad. Um, So that's a guy that if Pitt can turn around and can instill some confidence in him and Mm -hmm. put him in a role where they don't ask him to do too much, he can be an effective role guy. But um, he's coming off an injury, so he's going to work back for that. I think he's completely healthy, but definitely missed some time in the preseason. That's going to hurt him to 
kind of carve his role in with this with this pit basketball team this year. But it'd be really exciting to see him bounce back and and be a contributor for these guys. Another thing I'm excited about this year, and maybe not so excited as like, oh, I know they're going to be good, but more so excited to just see what they look like out there is the Diaz Graham twins, the Spaniards that mm-hmm. Jeff Cable brought in this offseason. Both 6'11", 7 foot. Uh, I get the Spanish is paella. Yeah, Jorge and Guillermo. One of them is <laughs> a perimeter guy. The other is a big. So it should be interesting to see a 6'11 guy shooting threes for Pitt. I don't know if they'll be able to crack the rotation. It is a a big ask of guys who just really came to America last year to play high school ball, haven't been exposed to the high, high level talent of the AAU circuits, the EYBL, all of that. But I'm just excited to see those guys out there. They look just be fun, hilarious, yeah. these seven foot Spaniards. And Squid, you, uh, we were talking about his, their interview with Chris Peak a few months ago when they got here, and they're just hilarious. Like, oh yeah, they're going to be so easy to root for. They're kind of Stephen Adams esque. They're just I was, living I was, life. <laughs> like, if you live in New Zealand or the Canary Islands, I'm sure you don't have a care in the world. So they come to Pittsburgh. And say, oh yeah, this is what life is like, right? Yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth, Squid. At the very least, this program has a knack for finding very entertaining uh, foreign-born imports. Yeah. So they're both really tall, and it's something that Pitt hasn't had. It's very good when you play basketball. Yeah. yeah. It's nice that Pitt now has these like unicorn guys that are seven feet tall, can shoot and all that. Whether they do it right away, who knows? Hopefully they can play a little bit and contribute a little bit. Because I think we know if this Pitt team, you know what you're getting from Mikey Sabande, Jamarius Burton, John Hughley, and probably Nellie Cummings too, just because he's been doing it for years in college. Uh, we need – a couple other guys to step up and be uh, solid guys that you can count on. Last year, there were too many times where Pitt's bench combined would have like two points. So uh, Greg Elliott's a guy we haven't mentioned. He might be the best shooter of the group. Yep. Uh, hopefully he can be a, a guy you can rely on to kick it out to make some threes. Nate Santos, kind of like Will Jeffers, had to play last year, probably wasn't ready, didn't have a whole lot of confidence. Maybe now that he's in a a more limited role and they could put them out there for, I don't know, eight minutes a game, maybe a little bit more depending on uh, the rotation. And he can really thrive in that, or that role. We'll see a little bit more from him, but I think we need a, one or two other guys to uh, put the team on their back and be a contributor. Maybe it's Will Jeffress whenever he gets back from injury. Yeah, I completely agree squid. And I think, Already, what has me more optimistic about this season is we don't have a walk-on playing 20 minutes a game at point guard. Oh, All yeah. respect to O. Um, really awesome for him to be a guy who came in as a walk-on, was a regular student, came in and walked onto the team, and then was just earned a scholarship and was just playing real minutes in the ACC. He That's started cool. a couple games. Yeah, started. That's really awesome story. Really good for him. Had no business being a starting point guard in the ACC. That's just the fact of the matter. So now that we have guys like Nellie Cummings, like Javarius Burton, who are going to be handling the ball. I mean, how many times last year was Femi Otakale handling the ball all game for 40 minutes and 
the opposing teams were just picking him up full court because he's not a natural point guard. I think he played a year of point guard in high school. For the most part, Femi was playing small forward coming through the, the grassroots ranks. So they've got guys in spots. They've got veterans who can really make an impact, who have been around winning. Greg Elliott, great example. He's been on a tournament team at Marquette. He's been around good programs. Nellie Cummings has been at Colgate and has played in the tournament a couple times. All these guys coming in who have been around and experienced winning before are really going to change things, I think. All that to be said, Jeff Capel has to bring these guys together and get them to do it. So what are our expectations? Compete in the ACC. Try to battle for upper half of the ACC. Uh, finish. Can they be a... I mean, the I believe they were poll. picked last in the ACC in the preseason poll. I saw 14th out of 15, so not quite ah, last. Close enough. So can they outperform that? Can they outperform that last place? I think they can. I think they will be probably somewhere in the bottom half. Uh, but, you know, can they finish top 10 in the ACC? That would be a big step in the right direction. But Jeff Capel's got to show that he can bring a team together and and show some improvement and show that this team isn't just going to be an embarrassment again this year. Yeah. I think I don't know what the buyout number is after this year, but probably too high still, but (laughs) I think if this team is like an NIT contender, that'd be a real good step. It would. NIT, I'd throw a parade. Yeah. And what's tough is a lot of these guys we have now are out of eligibility so you have to have this as a stepping stone here. You have to win something to keep those guys who are committed to Pitt now still on board, and you have that extra uh, enticement for other guys in the portal or in the recruiting class for years to come because uh, if Pitt lays an egg this year, we are ground zero as can be because we are losing everybody. Who is gone? Probably uh, all of our guards are seniors, super seniors, six-year seniors. You got to do something this year. Yeah, 100% agree, Squid. This is a a make or break year, but maybe not really for Jeff Capel because I think the buyout number continues to be the only thing that's keeping him around. I think if we were up to pit fans, he would have been gone already. But I, I think the gauge for a successful season for us as fans at this point is will we care about pit basketball? Because I know there were times last year it would be a Tuesday night and I'd be like, Oh, pit plays in like 10 minutes. I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> it's just not worth it. Um, David, I I know you're pretty out on pit basketball or were last year, just because the, the roller coaster of emotions that was the football season, you just didn't have anything left to give. What will it take for you? A guy who, doesn't really care at this point to be invested in the pit basketball this season. Well, to give you, um, you know, some more context on where I am right now, I've been checked out for like the last four minutes since you said something about throwing a parade. Cause I keep thinking, what would a loyal sons NIT attendance parade look like? We just get our, our Guerrero law money. And I, I imagine it's just like we get a radio flyer and put, string lights on it and pulled John around uh, down Butler street. I was going to say us riding down Butler street on spin scooters <laughs> with a bullhorn <laughs> chanting, let's go pit. Um, maybe playing sweet Caroline from like a JBL speaker. 
But uh, no. Okay. So to answer your question more specifically um, or in any capacity, I guess uh, I don't think it would be that if they give me something to care about, something to look forward to in the future, a little bit of hope because this football season, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but has been like the worst for the collective city of Pittsburgh in our entire lifetime. So I need some sort of athletics related hope. So if they look competent and there is even a second that we think that the tournament is in the realm of possibility, I will be interested. Or if we go the complete opposite way and it's such a shit show um, that like there's nothing they can do but fire Jeff Capel that will have my full attention as far as like, who, who are we going to get? What mid major that's making some noise? Are we going to try to scoop a coach from? Um, I lost a little bit of hope in that because I didn't realize that his buyout was still that high. I kind of thought that was the case last year. Um, but this year it became much more reasonable if we did bad at basketball. Um, so, you know, that kind of hurts it, but it wouldn't be terribly hard because like you guys, I have such vivid and great memories as a child going to the Pete when we were a top 10 team. And it was so integral to, you know, my growth with the game of basketball and caring about the game of basketball that I'm I'm looking for any excuse to get back on the bandwagon. Well, here's an idea. How about we get some cheap icy light club tickets, uh, sit out there, drink some beers, probably be. 10% full Pete for some of those non-conference games and uh, scout them out. I'm sold. Reminisce about the golden days of Dewan Blair, Sam Young, LeVance Fields, Carl Krauser, Julius Page. Can look up at the Brandon Knight banner. I liked Chris Taft a lot. LeVon Kendall. Ooh, the Canadian. This is where we do the, the male... <laughs> Thing men, where you men just, bond by just naming former athletes in yeah. a circle. Aaron Keith Gray, <laughs> Ashton Gibbs, Ronald Ramon. See this? I think this is what Pitt should do. Nasir Robinson. Wow, they should just have a like charity game where all the old players come back and play, and just play against each other and it would get everyone fired up for pit basketball for at least like a week. And then it would be like, Oh, everyone's bought in. And then when they ultimately lose uh, a team who had to travel here on a, on a coach, but a Greyhound bus to play them and forgot their warmups and still beats pit by 10, then everyone can be out. But I think they need to get those, the old players more involved with the program and, uh, Show their face a little more. Because that's the only thing that gets me excited about Pitt Rehire Jamie Dixon. Huh? That ship may have sailed. <laughs> well, grass ain't always greener. But Mm-mm. so we've talked about Pit Hoops enough for today. We'll see if they can keep our interest enough to do some shows about them in the future. But man, I just. Uh... All right, Brad Wanamaker. Hey, Panther Nation. Have you ever crashed your spin scooter going down Cardiac Hill? Or wiped out on an icy sidewalk in South Oakland? 
Have you ever been hit by a bus crossing Forbes Avenue? Well, you may not have to pay that hospital bill on your own. If you're hurt in an accident, pick up the phone and call Guido at Guerrera Law. Guido Guerrera is a University of Pittsburgh Law School grad, pit football superfan, and experienced personal injury attorney who's licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And it is 100% free to call him for consultation on your personal injury case. So the next time you get rear-ended in Oakland rush hour traffic, or if you fall down the stairs at Peter's, call Guido. All joking aside, Oakland and the world can be a very dangerous place. If you need legal help, talk to Guido. He'll treat you like a fellow Pitt fan and never like a number. 412-229-7757 is the number to call. That's 412-229-7757 to call Guido. You can also contact Guerrero Law at GuerreraLaw.com. That's G-U-R-R-E-R-A. Call Guido today. All right, we have to preview the Syracuse game. I know we, all three of us want to be done recording today because Pitt has just sucked all the life out of us, and the Steelers took the little bit we had left today. So Nothing to live for, Dill. Nothing at all. So Syracuse Orange come to town this weekend. 3.30 kick on Saturday, just so conveniently placed uh, on the TV slot at the same time as the Tennessee-Georgia game, one versus two, but obviously I'll be in Akershire Stadium watching Pitt play Syracuse. They'll put it on the scoreboard for us. Such is life as a Pitt fan. These are the sacrifices we have to make. That's life. <laughs> so we're going to get right into it with the sports book this week. First and foremost, this is... Almost like a joke, but it's not because it's a hard one to decide on. Will Keaton Slovis throw a touchdown this weekend against Syracuse? He hasn't done it in about a month uh, since the Georgia Tech game. So will Keaton Slovis throw a passing touchdown against Syracuse on Saturday? Squid? I'm going to say no. I think Izzy will probably have every touchdown again. (laughs) Yeah, tell tell us the stat again. It's funny to hear. What stat is that? Uh, the one where Izzy has Pitt's last 10 touchdowns. 10. 1-0. Yeah, we're working with, what, a three-game stretch now? Mm-hmm. That is exactly correct. Three-game stretch where Izzy is the only person to score for Pitt. So, um... Also, uh, Syracuse defense, not bad. So... I know UNC had that Swiss cheese defense. Louisville's wasn't very good either. We haven't faced any good defenses in a while, so this might be a wake-up call that we can't just oh, – we couldn't do anything against anybody. Who am I kidding? Yeah. We're actually facing a good defense, though, so it should probably be harder. <laughs> David, will Slovis throw a touchdown this weekend? Nope. Under. I'm, I'm going to say yeah. under on point five. Okay. Well, I'm going to say yes. I – at some point, I think he has to. That's my only reasoning. One would think. How nope. dare you try to apply logic to pit football? You're right. On to the next one. Are you new? <laughs> we already kind of talked about this, but will someone besides Izzy score a touchdown? Squid, you already gave your answer. 
No, unless Signetti watched the Steeler game today and dials up a, a Jared Wayne jet sweep pass to Gavin Bartholomew, I don't think there's any way that anyone other than Izzy gets a touchdown. I disagree. I and and I'm about to go back on the whole logic thing that I just yelled at Dylan for. Logically, somebody else has to score at some point. I, I mean, ten like a quarterback not having touchdowns three consecutive games feels a lot less rare than a single football player having 10 consecutive scores and make that 11. Cause we might probably score at least one touchdown against Syracuse. It just feels so unlikely. Um, actually, you know what? Never mind. I'm talking myself out of it. Only Izzy is scoring for the rest of eternity. I agree with John. All right. Well, given my prediction that Slovis will throw a touchdown, I would have to be doubling down to say that he would throw that touchdown to Izzy. And this almost makes me want to change my original answer for the (laughs) slowest touchdown (laughs) question, but we can't do that. So I'm going to ride with that. I'm hoping that slowest throws a touchdown to Jared Wayne or Bart or something. Well, they probably won't throw it to Bart at all. He'll probably get one target. Slovis will throw it at his ankles. Um, But I'm just going to say, yeah, someone else will score a touchdown. I hope so. Okay, on on to the next one. Sean Tucker. If we aren't familiar with his tweets, or if you aren't familiar with his tweets, basically after every game he recaps with some iteration of, I ran for give stat line, I was pleased with my performance, was not pleased with my performance, and am happy or am not happy with the result. So, will Sean Tucker be tweeting after the game on Saturday? that he was pleased with his performance. Yes or no? I'll start. We'll, we'll change up the order a little bit here. I'm going to say yes. I think Sean Tucker has a day against Pitt because as we discussed earlier, Pitt hasn't done a great job uh, defensively against other electrifying players on the opposing offense. They did bottle him up very well last year and kind of just clean them up and they were mocking him after the game. I don't think Sean Tucker's forgot that. And he's kind of a stud. So I I think he will be pleased with his performance. He is a stud. He is the only um, running back in the ACC Uh that holds a candle to Izzy. Um, But he also is the funniest tweeter ever. And I I just want to expand on this for a second because he tweets so matter-of-factly. He's just like, I had a football game on the Saturday for the Syracuse Orange college football team. I had this many carries for this many yards, a touchdown, this many receptions. We won the game. Um, and I think we were the first people I, I've heard of call it out. But since then, um, Hammett makes a lot of references to it. And on a much higher level, pardon my take has made note of it. They ripped them apart last week for it. So uh, congratulations to us for being the first to that take. Having said all of that, I do not think that Sean Tucker will be pleased with his performance because it is not our run defense that is getting us killed. If they could. Sorry, John. I was like, here's the twist. He can be pleased with his performance, but not pleased with the result of the game. That's happened before. Right. 
So, but he could also be displeased with his performance, but still happy with the result. Um, and unless he catches, um, you know, 10 passes or just kills us, you know, with screens and, and through the air, I, I don't think that this run defense is our issue right now. So I'm going to say that Sean Tucker, who must die, get it from the, the movie, um, he will not be pleased with his performance. But will he be happy with the result? We'll see. John? I do not think he will be pleased. I think Pitt did a great job against him last year. Syracuse is better than them last year, but I think the fact that uh, Garrett Schrader might be out, that will make Narduzzi go like boss level. We are stopping the run. <laughs> he He already does that probably, but if there's a step above stopping the run, I think we're going to see that, and it'll be uh, a showdown of which running back can blast through an eight-man box the most to see who can win the game. So I think we will stop the run pretty well. Not quite the level of last year, but he won't be pleased. This defense is going to sell out harder than Dylan did when he went electric. Am I right, 60-plus-year-old listeners? Bob Dylan, not you, Dylan. Uh, I was going to say, I was, I was like, like, did you get an electric car that I didn't hear about? <laughs> That's exactly where my mind went. Um, yeah, hopefully someone got that. All right, on the next one. Will the defensive ends have over or under one and a half sacks this weekend? I believe this last game, they accounted for one. Deslin Alexander had a sack. Tyler Bentley also had a sack. But Bentley, obviously, a defensive tackle. So will Pitt have over or under one and a half sacks uh, defensive ends have over or under one and a half sacks. David, you want to hear yourself? Okay. Under. If, if we're following repeated patterns, Slovis ain't throwing touchdowns. People not named Izzy are and not scoring. scoring touchdowns. Defensive ends are not generating pressure. Squid. I think Pitt will have a good number of sacks this week but I'm not sold it'll be the defensive ends so while I think they might have three maybe four sacks I think it'll be the product of linebackers and Cansey and maybe one from a defensive end so I'll go under but not because they're non-existent I'm going to go over I think defense get some pressure it sounds like Garrett Schrader might be out this week, and we might be looking at a backup quarterback. Uh, Squid, give me the name again. Uh, Carlos Del Rio Wilson. Carlos Del Rio Wilson will be on on the dirt, in the turf, quite a bit this weekend. And, yeah, I, I think Haba might get one. And <laughs> No, you don't think so? Haba might cool. get one. Dayon might get in, get his nose dirty, get one. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully. Hopefully they have more than one and a half or we'll probably lose. You're, you're picking with your heart a lot here, Dylan. It's, it's all I know. It's all I know. That's probably why I never win any bets. Um, yeah. Do we have an update on the standings? No. <laughs> okay. Moving on. <laughs> it's a surprise. Someone else can tally it up. We'll, we'll get back to it. When the season wraps up, we'll gladly present you or squid with your loyal sons points. We need, when we do this next year, we need some skin in the game. Like 
so, some some significant wagering to make it a little spicier. We'll like work ten, on it. Like ten dollars. Or a, a tattoo. I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. First touchdown score. New roll. Izzy is worth one. Everyone else is worth five. Go. <laughs> this I'll is gonna Izzy. keep this is gonna keep going up until he is not the first touchdown score. Just I'll so take Izzy. Know. I'll be death by a thousand paper cuts and uh take Izzy, take my point, and get on to next week. Same. Still a no-brainer. I think I'm so far behind in the standings, even though I have no justification for that because we haven't been tallying them up the last couple of weeks. That I, feel I mean, like you definitely I... are. You're... <laughs> I feel like I have to go in a different direction here. And just for the sake of me continuing to bump my chances up by giving other guys more points, I'm going to go Jared Wayne. Jared Wayne had a huge game this past week. And Slovis still hasn't thrown. I'm going completely off top here. Slovis still has not thrown a touchdown to a receiver that is currently on the team. He threw two to Jaden Bradley, and Jaden Bradley's in the portal. He threw two to Bart and one to Izzy. Izzy. Yes, we are eight games into the season, and not a single receiver on the roster has caught a touchdown from the current starting quarterback. Let that sink in. Is it sunk in? Let that sink in before we make our predictions on the result of this game. I, w- I would say um, that it feels right now like the city of Pittsburgh, at least in a football capacity, is cursed like it was built on an ancient native burial ground. Uh, But it historically was. So that's not even like a joke. Um, (laughs) We're cursed. I don't know what's going on right now, but. Or we just have. We're in football hell. We are in football hell. (laughs) We have a bad quarterback on the college team and a rookie quarterback on the pro team. All right. Pitt minus four. Wait, what? Yes. Pitt is favored by four this Saturday. The Pitt Panthers we watched on Saturday night are favored by four points. I'll go first here. Uh, There's some uncertainty about who will start at quarterback for Syracuse. We're recording this on Monday, and all that we got from uh, Dino Babers was that when Schrader is healthy, who will play. Uh, He got kneed in the head really hard and did not return to the game likely because of a concussion, so who knows how long he'll be out. Maybe he'll miss the game. Maybe he'll play. Uh, backup, Carlos Del Rio Excellent Wilson. insight. Fun name. Uh, he was a four-star, number 16 quarterback in the country coming out of high school. How and... did Syracuse get one of those? Uh, what four-star is like, you know what I want to do? I want to go where it snows 120 inches of snow a year. He's from Georgia, so that's even more perplexing. Either way, I think this will be a low-scoring affair. I'm not going to pick against Pitt twice back-to-back. That was a a one-off just because I knew they were going to lose. I know they're going to win this week. I'm not going to cover. Pitt wins 19-16. to 
I love it. I love it. Hada, give me a prediction. Um, I'm actually absolutely with John again here. Um, I don't think Pitt covers, but I, I do think they win this game. Um, I think Syracuse is going to be unrecognizable without Schrader. Uh, I know Tucker is the, you know, big spark on that offense, but Schrader's kind of been really impressive this year. Which is weird. And I do not trust a four-star from Georgia who decides, I want to go play college football in Syracuse, New York. And he signed on before they were good. I do not trust whatever is going on in that kid's head. I don't think he's beating Pitt. So I'm going to go... um, Let's go 13 to 10, Pitt. That's going to be ugly. If either looking forward two, to that one. If either of the two scores you guys gave come true this weekend, I might be asleep in the third, by the third quarter. I'm going to be at a wedding, so I don't really care. So four points feels hefty for this Pitt team to beat anyone by, especially a team who gave Clemson all they could handle a couple weeks ago. Um, Schrader being out. And I'm assuming that's why the line sits where it's at. Schrader is out. Um, it's big, definitely. I I don't think Pitt covers. And up until about 30 seconds ago, I wanted to potentially pick Syracuse to, to win and be the first time I picked against Pitt. But I've done it this many times. I've got my hopes up for Pitt week in and week out. I'm not going to start picking them to lose now. So I'm also, it looks like we're all in the same boat. They win, but don't cover. I'm going to go Pitt wins the game 24-21, three-point victory over the Syracuse Orange this weekend at Akersher Stadium. And maybe I should have just picked against Pitt just because I am so mush, but you know what? They're stuck with me. I'm stuck with them. That's unfortunate. So we... That is to all say that um, we do not think that Sean Tucker will be pleased with the outcome either. Yeah, he'll be pleased with his performance, but in my opinion, he'll be pleased with his performance, but not happy with the result. 